This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stuart Glover, and you're listening to Faith Talk. Through our dialogue together, we aim to draw relevancy from the biblical text while bringing clarity to our own religious experience. I'm joined by my wife, Stephanie, today. How are you, Stephanie? I'm doing well, thank you. Praise God. So today we want to we want to look at a portion of scripture that comes from the book of Romans that is referred to traditionally as Romans Road. Now Romans Road is a collection of scripture. It's taken from the apostle Paul's letter to the Romans and and tradition has formed this brief collection of scriptures that that represent and speak to God's plan for salvation. It's important to set a little context and take note that in chapters 1 and 2 in the letter to the Romans, Paul gives a survey of the frail and fallen human condition of both the Gentile and the Jewish communities. And Paul starts off, and we begin with this Romans road. Paul declares that none are righteous. The Bible says in Romans 3:10 that as it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. That's what the scripture says. So so then the the idea that righteousness or right standing with God can only come can only be established through the gift of God. This is the idea. This is the point. Righteousness in the eyes of God does not come through our good deeds, our good behaviors. It only comes through God's gift to humanity through his precious son, Jesus. Stephanie, what do you think about that? Well, it's, it's funny, I, I, I like the tradition of this being called uh, Romans Road because it's a road that has a starting point and an ending point. And the starting point is that all mankind is starting from that same point. We cannot hide anything from God's light. No one is privileged. No one gets a head start. No one is given an advantage over anyone else. The ground is level. There is one starting point, and God alone sets the rules. Amen. God sets the standard. And so Paul has told us that there there are none that are righteous, no, not one. And then this traditional collection of scriptures referred to as Romans Road moves on to Romans 3.23 that says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul is very clearly declaring that all of humanity has missed the mark. There were at least 613 laws that were placed before us to teach us to be a guide to us. And these laws represented the high standard of a holy God. The problem was that we were simply unable to live up to the standard. We were unable to keep the law and we fell short. Like running a race. If we don't make it to the finish line, we we fell short and we don't win the prize. Now, leaders in the religious community back then were mistaken in thinking that their knowledge of the law was enough for them to be declared and righteous in the eyes of God. But as Paul says, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Stephanie. Well, you know, when I read this... um this is like a statement, and, and, and it seems like that God's, this is God's conclusion. This is not man's conclusion 
of the condition of man. There are no exceptions and no exemptions. When it comes to protocol for entering God's holy and just presence, sin is not allowed. You know, if we can understand and respect the protocol for entering the White House and what you're required to do in order to speak with the president, we should have no problem with understanding God's protocol. All mankind is guilty of sin. Therefore, we have not met the protocol. Amen. So now, this collection of scriptures referred to as Romans Road, I must interject this. Different traditions and different writers over time will rearrange these scriptures in a different order. If you come across that, so be it, but the Word of God is the Word of God. So we're going to jump to Romans 5.8, and this is a, a bit of good news. For the scripture says that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is Romans 5.8. So this is no doubt a, a bit of good news in the Bible which clearly says that God demonstrated and proved his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died. That means that he didn't wait for us to be on our best behavior. He didn't wait for us to get our lives together. He didn't wait until we started acting right. In other words, his love was unconditional, even while we were dead in our sin and living lives that were totally antithetical to the will and purpose of God. God loved us anyhow. And out of his love, because he loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. So here's the thing. When, when the person believes that, and we often hear this, that they need to get their life together before they come to the church and, and give themselves to God, they need to get themselves together. Well, I have news for you. you. You need to relieve yourself of that pressure because there's nothing that you can do that'll make you love God any more than he already does. You don't need to wait until you get a new suit or stop drinking and stop smoking or whatever it is that you do that you feel is not pleasing to God. God wants you to come as you are. God loves you and he invites you just as you are and wants to come into your life. Isn't God's love something? Mm -hmm. You know, even though we live in a world full of troubles and we were participants in that trouble, God still loved us. You know, it's just like I still love my granddaughter when she does something wrong. And I would help her to make things right the best I could. But God, without man's knowledge, participation, permission, or approval, provided the one solution required to right the sin problem. Then he had it personally carried out by his son, Jesus the Christ. Amen, amen. So, we have said that God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he's not waiting for us to get ourselves together before he loved us. We're gonna move on to Romans 6.23. And it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when, when Paul says the wages of sin is death, he means that the compensation, the reward for unrepentant sin uh -huh. is separation from God. However, God's gift, 
is eternal life through his son. And I don't know what you think I mean when I say eternal life, but I will tell you this, eternal life is more than living forever. Yes, we as Christians believe that when we depart from this life, we, we transition to another place in the presence of God where there is no suffering, there is no dying, there is no crying. But I have good news for you today. You don't have to wait until you die to enter into eternal life because eternal life is to know God. And that can begin right now. And that knowing God is a gift from Almighty God himself that we can either reject or embrace. You know, when I, when I read this, this little, um, this passage, uh, I remember when my grandson was uh, home during the, um, during the pandemic mm -hmm. and uh, his English class, one of the, the styles of writing that the teacher talked about was called a compare and contrast. So I, you know, that came into my, my head when I saw it. I saw it as compare and contrast situation. I see on one hand, sin as an employer who pays its workers a wage of death. Then simply on the other hand, I see God giving away a gift, no work necessary, of eternal life. And he sends his son Jesus to offer this gift to us. We have the ability to accept or refuse it. Amen. So now I think I would like to jump to Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10, which... Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Before we do 10, 9, and 10, we're going to go to Romans 8 and 1. Yeah, I, I think that was a good idea because I am starting, you know, I, we talk about a road that has a start and a finish. And if you are paying attention, you are moving through this, this road, this process that has a beginning and an end. So we're going to jump to Romans 8 and one, which is also a bit of good news. It says this, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, no condemnation is a powerful thing to say. No condemnation is a, is very difficult for some of us to embrace. Why? Because many of us are carrying shame from our childhood and we internalize our suffering and we are unwilling to forgive ourselves. We're unwilling to imagine that God could unforgive us, could forgive us. It's beyond our comprehension. But if we allow ourselves to embrace God's love, it will bring healing into our lives where shame has tried to be the dominant narrative in our lives. Amen? Amen. Uh, um, and if I noticed that Romans 8.1 starts with the word therefore, which means so now based on everything that we have talked about prior to this point. If you have understood the problem, if you have accepted solution, and you are right now living a life that confirms that the gift was accepted by you, God will not condemn you. Amen. And that is, you know, again, I say this all the time, but as a child, <clears throat> I was somehow, <clears throat> I felt as though I was somehow indirectly introduced to God, a God that was waiting 
to judge me and to condemn me. But as I've matured a bit in life, I've come to know that God is inviting us to a place of reconciliation, being brought back together in, in the grace, embracing the grace and the love of God. So now, here's another piece of good news. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You know, as you pay attention to God calling you and you begin to pray and read the scripture, because it is God who calls you. You don't decide to call on God. You don't find God. God was never lost. What happens is you begin to tone down your resistance to a God that is already calling you. And eventually, you may be led in accordance with Romans 10, 9, and 10. Somebody once said, well, what does it take to get saved? And the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So eventually, what's in your mind and what's in your heart will come out of your mouth and lead you to claim Jesus and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yes, and I say that salvation is about exposing your heart to and having an honest, two-way conversation with God. It's about you facing your doubts and fears about God. It's about you believing, trusting, and surrendering yourself into God's gracious love for you. It kind of reminds me of the trust exercise you do at camp. Two people are required for this. One of the pair is instructed to, without glancing back, abandon their fears and fall backward into, hopefully, someone's waiting arms. Well, salvation is about you falling into God's gracious love for you, knowing that he will take care of you. Amen. Salvation is the gospel, is a message of salvation. The gospel is a message of liberation. The gospel is a message of reconciliation. The gospel unites us with God. And we are given the blessed assurance in Romans 10, in 13, it says that, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is a promise. And calling upon the name of the Lord doesn't simply mean to yell out the name Jesus. But your heart is falling in love with God. And what comes out of your mouth is that you've now accepted fact that God is rescuing you and you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Now these are the verses that make up what is known to Romans, known as Romans Road. These verses inform us of God's plan for salvation. And again, some traditions over time have added some scriptures and some have taken some away, but you get the message of what is referred to as Romans Road. Now, during the original broadcast, a guest caller called in from Antigua. And whereas Romans Road clearly explains and lays out God's mercy and grace for us, our calling guest was clearly articulating things that he felt as though get in the way of people's embracing the gift of 
God's salvation through his son. He was expressing what he felt as though were contributing factors to people resisting the gospel. You know, in the, Rome, the book of Romans, it also says that the, the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles because of you. And I think that our call-in guest, Jason Kinte from Antigua, was making this point. And I want you to hear what he said and, and, and listen to his, his, his points because um, they certainly raise issues for further reflection, criticism, and dialogue. So just take a moment and listen to this call that we took on Sunday. I want to come on in and share your thoughts on... on, on on the Bible and, and Romans Road, please come on in. I say something that you hear me say something that that uh, lights a fuse. Just come on in. I have somebody that is <coughs> coming in. Jason Kinte. Jason Kinte, how are you? It's a long time I haven't heard from you in a long time, my friend. I welcome you in. TGITD. Thank God it's this decade. I always like to engage. I'm in Antigua, um, early retirement in Antigua in the Caribbean, where my parents came from. I don't know if you oh, know God where bless you. But, but yeah, I flew here. I just got in, uh, flew in uh, last month. My arms are still tired, but um, no, but uh, I, I, I would love to engage you because a lot of people have questions and um, it turns them, turns them off, as you were saying. From Christianity, so one thing about social media, and I, I appreciate that you were engaging before. Um, the reason why social media is more popular than TV is because you can interact. Okay, so that's why people like it better, especially the younger generation. TV, you just have to watch. So that's why I think it's good that you let people come up with questions. Because if not, they would just watch TV, right? And they're not watching. I can tell you this: they're not. They're not watching um, the preachers as much when they're not already believers. So the people that are not believers, and some of them might be passing through, they might be down there. The question is: I call it the Oprah question. So I'll ask you because I was going to do my doctorate in theology, but I was thinking of going to Harvard, but then I realized I heard that Dean of Harvard is a is an atheist, so I'm like, he needs to learn from me. So instead, I'm in Antigua with my retirement, and I'm working on social media plan, and maybe, you know, you could talk to me about that after. <laughs> Engaging like this, actually. I'm training up people like this, so we'll engage with people. So for the people listening, one of the turnoffs from Christianity is how they see it. For instance, in American politics, the Republican Party is supposed to be the Christian Party. And I know people just see that about lies and, you know, talking about all sorts of foolishness. Now they say they're going to, well, that's what I call it, foolishness. Now they say they're going to do investigations about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and about, uh, you know, his laptop and all of this stuff that's not relevant. And that's supposed to be, supposedly, that's supposed to be the Christian Party. Right. So and they don't see truth. So it just seems a lot of fake, a lot of fake stuff because they used to just, you know, say they pray and say that Trump is the chosen one. Actually, Trump said he's a chosen one and all sorts of things like this. So it, Christianity has gotten a bad rap for that, I think, because that a lot of people say, well, that's the president that had told the most lies. Right. So so the thing is, what would you say when people say, how is it that if 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 if. If this is Christianity, if it's these are supposed to be Jesus followers, that a lot of these pastors are crooks. I'll say it myself. Okay, a lot of them are just looking after money. They're, they're cheating more than everybody else. They're, they they have it. They even have a thing called um, an outside baby, where you know you have a child outside of wedlock while you're the pastor, like right. somebody in a choir. They have, right. uh, you know, a lot of them are stealing money. Uh, a lot of the 
some of them have flying a plane when they're, you know, when they're congregants and promising that if they take their grandmother's, uh, their grandmother's inheritance and send it into the ministry, that they're going to get blessed and all sorts of things. A lot of people are poor, and the pastors are rich, and you know, so a lot of people are just saying that stuff seems a lot of fake, stealing money and not really the truth, not really. Uh, so, what would you say to people that say, well, the leadership that they look and see a lot of these pastors are crooks and they're embezzling money and they go to prison and stuff and they're, they're supporting uh, a corrupt president that doesn't even stand for elections being true. So what would you say to that? that I would, what say, would you say this. I would say this. Um, just because people identify as being a Christian well, you have to ask them, well, tell me about this God that you serve. Um, and that goes back to the image of God that we construct in our minds through reading the Bible or being, or, or have developed through our social location. Um, I would suggest to you that just because you uh, stand in a, in a garage, that you can't call yourself a car, right? Because you're Jason Kinney, right? So, um, Identifying as a Christian is one thing, and then actually following the teachings of Jesus is another. So this is, um, we can't go by what people say. We can't, well, I don't believe that America is a Christian nation. Um, I, don't, I, I believe that um, the, the form of Christianity um, differs from, from uh, the interpretation of Christianity differs from denomination to de denomination, and I don't think we see as clearly as we think we do. Um, so no, I don't believe that the people that stormed the Capitol and, and are praying in, in the, in the, in the um, you know, when they st on January, on uh, that dreadful day in January when they stormed, stormed the, the building and were praying in there, I don't think this is, these are, are um, actions that are guided by Christian values and the teachings of Jesus or the apostles. You're uh, talking about the tourist uh, visit? <laughs> yes, right, the tourist visit, the hang Mike Pence visit. Yeah, we know it wasn't a, uh, yeah, we know it wasn't a tourist visit, but one of those congressmen said it was just, just look like a regular tourist visit. They were reading Nancy Pelosi's mail. And then, right, right, right. They, they, so one of them almost killed her husband. You look at right. this stuff, this stuff is just... <laughs> Right, I think that we're turning to violence and we're trying to justify that violence with, um, with script, you know, with, and with this Christian identity. But even the Bible, in the same book that we're reading, I wish I could put my finger on it right now, Paul spoke to the, to this, to the church in Rome and he said, God's name is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles because of you. And, and so we have to ask our, ourselves that question, Jason. Is God's name being corrupted and blasphemed because of these people who identify themselves as Christians? And I would have to say yes. And But now, for the person who's out there and says, I don't have time for this foolishness. I don't need this God. Well, guess what? You're right. You don't. But what I would suggest that you do is that you look into it for yourself that you examine the scriptures and allow God to speak to you in your heart and your mind. And, and if you walk away, if you read the Bible from cover to cover and you walk away from it thinking that you should um, kill someone or storm the, storm the government and tear down the government, then something is wrong. And, and I, can't, I can't endorse your, your God, image of God. Do you serve a God who allows you to exploit other people to prosper the rich at the dreadful expense of the poor? Do you serve, do you have, have you constructed a God in your head that, that allows you to, to declare yourself um, with a, a notion of supremacy over other people? You know, white supremacy, uh, or do you, do you serve a God who, who, the Bible clearly talks to us about about um, welcoming the stranger and, and the treatment of aliens and orphans and 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 widows. Oh, oh, do, do, so do you black supremacy too? Mm -hmm. Because I heard about that sure. rapper, rapper saying stuff about Jewish people and saying that he can say all of these things and 
he won't get canceled and all this stuff, and then he get canceled and then he buying a, a white supremacist thing and stuff like that. I won't call his name, but you know, there's all sorts of different types of things that people say that they're. I think that as, as when we identify as Christians, we forget something really quickly, which is love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. When the man came to Jesus and said, said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love your neighbor. So we can't know. I, I agree with what you just said. We can't paint um, people's, a picture of people's character with a broad stroke brush that just covers everybody. Those are racist ideas and racist statements. You can't say all black people are lazy. You can't say that all, um, all Jewish people are, are corrupt Hollywood producers, and you can't say that all Italians are in the mafia. It's just simply not true. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a limited um, level of intellect. That, that that leads us to declare make these kind of statements. Okay, that's very good answer. I'll say the another number one thing that people, well, I guess there's a number two thing I think that comes up with people that don't believe, say, well, all these people come up to me and they're supposedly following, you know, Jehovah or Jesus or, you know, God, they're all saying all these different groups. So how come you all don't all agree? For instance, my ex, I'll say I'll testify on this app, right? Because I'm even putting my worst foot forward. I'm still not married. Okay. I was on this app, really excited. I launched my Freedom Fridays event. I invite you to that anytime you are free on a Friday, by the way, because I think it's good for us to get together. So I I launched with my ex. We launched a Freedom Fridays um, at night, and I had launched Freedom Fridays at my church back in 2010 on, on the ground. But then we want launch it virtually, and I'm not changing my plans just because everything opened up. Right? I'm still doing it virtually. So the thing is, but I'm, I had to do it by myself because she was Church of Christ in Georgia. I put my house up for sale, and I, you know, people say I'm single. It's not like I didn't take effort, make effort. And she's gorgeous. She looked like Gabrielle Union. I still think. Gabrielle Union, beautiful. She, she, she was as beautiful as Gabrielle Union, okay? So we were on this app together, just like you and your wife, except we weren't married yet. We were in pre-engagement counseling, okay? I do pre-engagement counseling. I think it's wise, right? So the thing is, I put my house up for sale, and I went to Georgia, right? My house is getting renovated in Toronto, and I went to Georgia, and I met her mom, and, you know, her mom moved, and, I, and, you know, kind, kind of thing. I, you know, I didn't get to meet her dad because he was somewhere else, but then and her brother, and we were going to get engaged. We went engagement ring shopping, but then she was Church of Christ. Now, in her Church of Christ, they believe they're the only church, in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was trying to convince her and she wouldn't even watch a video. So right. she's very convinced uh, because she was raised in that church from 12 to 46. Right. So, you know, and this isn't insulting her. She believes that, you know, right. so, you know, that, 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 that it's true. So she wouldn't, I couldn't change her mind. So, you know, it's okay because the thing is I'll follow. I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times my example, I saw my mom had a lot of wisdom. I think a lot of times the, the woman is right. The wife is right. I will follow my wife, but not if she's wrong. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, right. What if what what did you say? All of this division because I've heard some even some other religions say, well, look, you guys all talk about the Bible, but you guys interpret that book all sorts of different ways. Jehovah's Witness came up to me, and then you know Church of Christ believes that, and then there's Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter Day Saints, they believe that, and then there's Seventh Day Adventists, they believe you have to worship on Saturday, and then you know there's Roman Catholics. So what would you say about all of this division? They say it's just confusion. I'm going to the club, and I'm going to dance and drink, and, and, and you know. Because you guys, you you guys figure it out. You know, give me a call when you call with one voice. So what would you say about that? How can we all believe? There's some even some cults. There's a like you know, like you said, the people, the January 6th, they're praying inside, you know, the Capitol building and trying to kill the Capitol police officers. And some of them, they were praying. They say they're Christian too. So what do you say about all of this different belief systems, even though it's the same book? What do you say about it? Well, well, listen, it is the same book. As a matter of fact, in the Christian Christian tradition that, that I belong to, my my Bible has 66 books in it, so it's a whole lot of books. And some of the other canon, the collections of scriptures include more than just those 66. So um, as with a very short story, I mean, 
if I, if I, you know, there's that old scenario of, of you tell somebody a story from, from the um, one side of the room, by the time it goes around from the story being whispered from ear to ear, by the time you get to the last person, you'll come out with something different. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Bible closely, and if you get a chance, there's a, there's a, you can buy a book called The, the Parallel Gospels. And, and what it does is it lays out the gospel stories side by side, and you can actually see where they differ. And, and some things are included, some things are excluded, some things are ordered differently, and these are supposed to, they're introduced to us as eyewitness accounts, right? So you would expect that they're the same. So they call this the synoptic problem because the gospel themselves have different, um, the, the writers of the gospels have different things that they wrote about. The question becomes this, not that it's different, but but what did they leave out? Why did they leave out? And the reason is that they had a specific um, intention for their particular audience. Now, that doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. They had a specific um, focus for their particular audience. In your question, though, well, what about, you know, the, all these different interpretations? Listen, my friend, 66 books, people are going to walk away with different interpretations. People will take a portion of scripture. They'll take two lines out of the scripture and make a doctrine out of it, a rule out of it, a law out of it. And that law becomes representative of, of it becomes a bigger thing than God, right? Um, so now even beyond Christian tradition, another phenomenon that's occurring today is, is marriages where people are not only Christian, but you have the Christian marrying a Jewish person, you have the Catholic marrying an atheist, you have all sorts of interfaith, interreligious um, uh, marriages and families being raised in the context of these interreligious marriages. So what has to happen is that, and I think it would be good for all of us to engage and for, for those who identify as Christians and non-Christians to engage in a language that is not um, a, a, a condemnation a, 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 that's based from a period of supremacy to, towards the religious other, whether that be um, doctrine within the Christian tradition or even uh, language outside of the Christian tradition. I am not going to look a Muslim person in the eye and tell him that he's going to hell because he doesn't have Jesus in his life. What I will say is what Romans 8 says, one of the steps in the, in the um, uh, in the Romans road is that there, Paul writes, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? That's what I know. If you ask me, well, Jay, is Jesus the only way? I can tell you, well, it's the only way that I know, but guess what? I don't sit on that seat of judgment of whether or not a person is going to heaven or hell. That's not my place. That's not, that's above my pay grade, as they say. So I stay in my lane and leave those judgments up to God. But what I do know is the Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So as far, in terms of theological differences between um, uh, two friends or two partners or, or a wife and a husband or a, hu a husband and an ex or a boyfriend and an ex, let me just say this. It's better to spend time embracing the commonalities than it is spending a whole lot of time focusing on the differences because what you'll find across religious traditions, whether it be Muslim, Jewish, um, Christian, whatever the tradition is, you will find at the core of those traditions some very, uh, some very um, threads of commonality that exist in all of them, like love, justice, peace, thanksgiving, gratitude, prayer, fasting, all of these things exist with across faith traditions. So I would rather work and explore the commonalities as opposed to focusing in on what divides us. If I, if you know, if a Baptist marries a Catholic, they're going to find that they disagree on 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 taking on the the method of taking communion and what it means. But guess what? We can uh, look at the broader issues of that of com the commonalities that we share. I think it's worthwhile spending more time doing that, and maybe the differences will come in line at, at later on down the road. Sounds good. What's the rest of the Romans' way? I want to uh, want you to get through the. All right. Well, you know, it 
it says, you know, we talked about the, the there is um, no condemnation for those who are in Christ, which is which is Romans eight and one. And you know what I like about that, and which I think is is like a cancerous disease in our society today, in the minds of of the young and the old, this thing of condemnation, and and thinking that God is just sitting on the throne waiting to condemn you. And what happens, it produces a generation of, it produces people who are uh, covered and, and, and just filled with shame. And this shame grows into, um, you know, it, it causes um, a disquietness. It causes, a, this shamefulness grows and can cause mental problems. And, and spiritual problems. So I like the fact that it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, so I don't know about you, Jason, but as a kid, like I said, I, was, I grew up to think of God as being one who condemns, who's ready to push the button and send me to hell as soon as I mess up. But this is telling us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, just like the woman who was caught in adultery, right? And then, and then Jesus told her, you know, I'm not condemning you. Go on and don't sin. Um, that that was liberation. So not only did God come to take to to rescue us from the penalty of this sin and, and separation from God, but He spares us from the shame and the desolation that comes through this condemning spirit. That's why I don't like to hear people get on these platforms and, and, and identify themselves as Christians or religious people and point the finger at everybody else in the world except themselves. Yeah, I, um, I was actually told um, on this app that I wasn't a Christian because, I, what was the guy's reason? I think, I can't remember, I think because I was saying, I think because I was saying that the storm in the capital, that I was either talking about that, and I was, oh, I also said that I was waiting for marriage, uh, and I was defending a, a woman that said she hadn't done the baby-making thing yet, and I, for some reason, he, he just came right out and said, I'm a fake Christian, so I thought that was interesting, because I try not to judge people's salvational. So, uh, so I will ask you this, okay, so say somebody wants to um, be in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? Because I have a web designer in India, and a lot of times we just assume that these, we know what these terms mean, because he didn't know what it was to be saved, like, you know, somebody just say, say oh, I, I was saved this age or that age, he was like, what is it, a baseball game, like a save, like the pitcher, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, is it, you know, like, we just kind of assume, is it like when you say, like, he, when he saves our website, like, we just assume we know what these people know, what these terms mean, so, uh, what do you mean by to be in Christ, can you break that down, what does that mean, how do you get okay. Okay, well, that, that's, that's part of Romans Road, actually. It comes, in, it, it, and it's very simple, by the way. It's, a matter, it's not a matter of scientific reason. It's, not a, it's, it's a little bit of logic and reasoning, but it's not a, we're not trying to break this down into science, because the Bible makes it very easy, and then we can, pick the, we can unpack this, right? It says in Romans, the 10th chapter of Romans, in verses 9 and 10, it says this. In, in answer to your question, and it's very simple. It says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now that's some real um, religious language, right? Then it goes on to say the last one, or 10.13, says that um, Whoso, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now, it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of divine intervention. I would say this, there could be a, a killer on death row who calls on the name of the Lord and, and in his heart he feels pulled by God, right? And invited by God, and he stops and, and he's remorseful, and he says, "Oh man, I've me I've messed up, and I've done the, the unthinkable." 
Is there any hope for forgiveness for me? Is there hope for me of being right with God? And most people would say, no, not at all. You deserve to die. Right? Um, but I, I just want to say this to you that look at the, the thief on the cross. At the very last minute, he, he pleaded to Jesus and Jesus said, tomorrow, you're gonna, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. So we have to be careful about setting limits on God's um, ability to save this one or that one. And for the person who is wondering, what can they do? Well, it starts in the heart. And that movement in the heart is usually a gift from God. Now you can resist that, that movement. You can reject that gift and ignore it and not want to um, take a closer look at what you're feeling. You can reject that. But if you choose to, to embrace it, and, and allow God to move in you with, through his spiritual divine intervention, then it's like a heart surgery, a spiritual heart surgery. And he, um, he'll speak to you. He'll, if you read his, spend time reading his scripture and meditating on his scripture, God will speak to you and ultimately you'll get to the point where you believe, you start believing this, that God is actually good and God actually loves you, loves you enough to overcome any, any notion of shame that you have, no matter what you've done in life. Um, so then it says that after you believe in your heart, then it's just a matter of you saying that you believe it, right? And, and when we say saying that you believe it, that it's really more than just talking. But now you begin to live your life in a way that you desire, you want to please God. You don't want to exploit the poor. You don't want to murder so that you can take somebody else's stuff. You want to live a life, you want to feed the poor. You want to give life and lead people to a place for where their, their lives are improved. So for the man who wonders what does he have to do to be in Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that requires a little understanding, though. And how do you get that? Read your Bible. Read what it says about Jesus being uh, resurrected over the power of sin and death and, and rescuing us from our shame. The entire Bible. The Bible starts out with a story of calling people out of their slavery in Egypt. The, 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 um, the second chapter in the Bible, Exodus, it begins early in the biblical text, early in these 66 books. It's a story of the, the creation story and all of that is followed by a story of God rescuing people from that which enslaved them. So it's a story of liberation. It's not a story of God, oh, I'm calling you out of Egypt to kill you because you're sinners. No. It's a story of God calling them out of their slavery in Egypt to rescue them. And so do we want to be rescued by God? If, God, if, you, if you begin to pay attention to those inner movements, um, then all you need to do is pray and ask God to come into your life. And guess what the Bible says? Uh, that there, there, is no, um, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and anyone and it also says this, Romans 10, verse 11, 13 says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So what does that mean? When you come to God in the ways that we just described, in prayer, in meditating on who he is and allowing him to speak to you and, and being led to appropriate response, yeah, then you're in Christ and you are covered by the grace of God who is no longer looking at you for your um, personal um, shortcomings, but he's looking at you through the redemptive work of Christ on the, on the cross who has reconciled you back to God. Jason, I think that was a mouthful. Oh, that was very good. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm appreciating the breakdown and explanation. I'm just here. There's a couple young people here that I'm playing basketball with, but I'm listening at the same time. So I listen to the Wisdom app while I play basketball underneath, you know, the, the, in the in the Antiguan, that's kind of like twilight here. But um, so if- I thought Antigua was all sand. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> we have basketball <laughs> courts now. <laughs> Listen, the kids want to be American down here. It's kind of, it's not a good thing actually. Right, right. <laughs> Tell them to be careful about that. Black kids all over the world want to be want to be American, and the Americans want to come here. <laughs> we we even had elections without insurrection over here. Okay, Amen. so Antigua's not doing that badly. Okay, but everybody watches American TV. So they used to play football, meaning soccer. But now they all want to be like, you know, they like to be like Mike. So they all want right. to become basketball players even down here. Okay, right. so but but so this is the thing, right? So um, so if you would say, do you think that this is something that, you know, like what's going to happen? Because like, okay, so there's all these problems in the world. Okay, so say that God sent his son, right, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? So how come he's not saving it? Look at these problems. Like Putin almost attacked, uh, the missiles went into Poland. It was almost NATO going attack. It was close, right, to there being like uh, there's a North Korea's firing off thing over Japan. They're going to duck and cover. He might, he might have, you know, want to get itchy with the nuclear weapon finger. And then you've got, you know, uh, there's women in Iran. They're not allowed to show their hair. They're getting attacked, right? So uh, where is the saving? What's happening? What's going on? I don't see that much peace. I started the Increase Peace campaign in 2002. Where is the right. peace? I don't right, see. Right. Look, well, you know, there's like, oh, we don't, we almost, America almost lost the democracy. It was very mm-hmm. close, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what's happening here? Because if God cares, this is what some people say. They say, "Look, I can't." I heard a guy the other day. He said, "I can't believe in a God that would allow all these rapes and these innocent children getting and the kids getting murdered." Look at what happened in Texas. Mm-hmm. Little kids, the police wouldn't even go in there. The police mm-hmm. were scared because the people have bigger guns than their cops. So, right. so people would be like, why does God allow all of this suffering death? If he right. sent the son to save the world, what's happening? Where's all the saving? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question, and this is the thing. If we, first of all, um, let me put it to you this way. The church is referred to as the body of Christ, right? And by body, I mean not only this universal, invisible church organization, but but feet and hands in this world. So let me just tell you a short story. There was a, I'm a chaplain at a university, and there was a young nursing student who came crying into my office um, because she had failed a test, a nursing student, very tough curriculum. and I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, I failed my test. And then she said, but Reverend, I prayed. I prayed and I prayed. And I said, well, what did you pray about? And she said, I prayed that I would pass the test. And then I said something that wasn't so nice. I said, well, if you prayed and expect God to do everything while you do nothing, that's not faith. That's more like a superstition. So the good news for you, for this young lady, was that now she knows what the course is about, and she has the book. So she has a head start for next time she has to take it. And in the same way, all the, the we can't expect to, for God by himself to eradicate injustice, racism, war, and violence, and, and inequity, inequality, and, and um, we can't expect God to wave a magic hand and eradicate these evils from the face of the earth. Matter of fact, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his book, if you, if you ever get a chance to check out this book, the, the, it's Martin Luther King's The Strength to Love. He addresses this point and he says it's not by God's hand alone. And nor is it by man's hand alone that all of these evils and and, and, um, social failings will be eradicated from the earth. No, it will be when God, when man, humanity, men and women, 
partner with God's Holy Spirit to stand up and speak out against these things. Now the good thing, Jason, I have hope for a better tomorrow. The good thing, I believe that one day righteous will prevail over evil. And you say, well, where's the saving? Let's put it like this. I had a friend of mine tell me that. This is like an MRI. What we're seeing is that which has been hidden in the dark is now coming and being exposed in the light. And now it's visible for people to see. And it's visible for people to start thinking about it and to start doing something about it. They say you need to be able to name it in order to be able to tame it. So now I believe that we see some things that are not right. And we see some things that need to be fixed. And perhaps as people partner with God, these things we can make some progress towards a, 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 a brighter tomorrow. Perhaps as we partner with God, we can have strength for today and hope for a brighter tomorrow because we, uh, as the, the hands and feet of God in this world, um, we can strive towards towards uh, making this world a better place. So I have hope for a brighter tomorrow. That's, uh, I love that. You know, I think that, you know, Lecrae, he's our favorite rapper. He said, he had a whole song where he talked about this. And he said, okay, so you say you should get rid of if God is, because it's literally somebody I met on Clubhouse, and she's the only person I met on Clubhouse. She actually came to my house. A lady uh, in Toronto, she's much older than me, so don't, you know, it wasn't a, a date. She was just passing by, you know, she's like a grandmother, and uh, she passed by. And, uh, you know, she said, no, she doesn't believe in God because she can't believe in a God that will allow all this evil stuff going on. And so she had that issue. So I would say somebody like that, well, what Lecrae said, right? He said, so you think God should get rid of all of the, all of the evil then, you know, should he get rid of it at action? At the, at the word level, right? Of people saying, attacking women and saying bad things, or, or the thought level. Because if you get rid of all the evil, what happened to the, what you thought last night, for what you thought last night deserves a third, first class flight to hell where God doesn't dwell? You got that, right? So, is nobody really, I don't see that many people that are sane saying they're absolutely perfect. So what's the standard? If he was getting rid of all evil, I'll tell you this story. I'll put it in a, situ uh, a, a situation like this. Because X-Files, I watch this show, I watch sci-fi. I, I hope you think that's godly, that's okay. Because I watch sci-fi. So X-Files was a sci-fi show. Mulder and Scully. Okay, and Mulder came upon a genie. Okay, I don't believe they're real genies, but say just make believe a genie has all, all sorts of power and give you three wishes. So she said, you know, when he's a conscious guy, right? So he, uh, he, I don't think he knows God, but anyway, <laughs> the character, I mean, okay. So the, so he asked for, so the genie gives you three wishes. So he was a selfless one. He's not one of these, you know, greedy people say, oh, make me a billionaire. Let me take over a company or whatever. Let me take over the world no he said i asked for world peace and then she granted it to him she snapped her fingers you know what happened it was just Mulder and her everybody disappeared <laughs> he said what happened what did you do she said you asked for world peace so i got rid of all the people that weren't peaceful <laughs> right and he said oh, because billions of people did disappear because he just asked quick he didn't think so then he said, oh, what do that? And she said, okay. And she snapped her finger. She said, you only have one wish left. So she brought everybody back. But that was his second wish. And right? He didn't even stop and think. Right? So so it's, you know, she was praying for a pretty selfish prayer that she would pass the test. He had selfless prayers. Right? Mm -hmm. So he asked for world peace and she got everybody disappeared, everybody. Everybody mm -hmm. gone. gone. <laughs> then he said, I'll do that. She brought everybody back to life, but now he only had one wish. Do you know what he wished for? I can't imagine. Okay, I'll give you a clue. So he saw in her pictures. She showed her pictures of her beside Stalin, her her beside Hitler. Her beside all of these people that almost took over the world and slaughtered people and slaughtered humanity and stuff, right? And he realized that she has been beside all of these people that almost took over the world and given them three wishes until their wishes ran out. So he said, oh my gosh, 
This is not a good thing. So he wished to set her free from that power. Cause she didn't like standing beside Hitler while he was slaughtering all of the Jews in the gas chambers either. She didn't like standing beside Stalin when he was slaughtering people. So he wished to set her free from that power. And then she just went to have coffee. And she stopped causing all that terror, giving people their wishes. So what's the moral of the story? Be careful with your, you know, when you get a genie. <laughs> no, I don't know what the more. I think I answered the question. The thing is, if God disappeared all of the people that weren't peaceful, he would end this whole experiment now. Mm-hmm. He's giving us some time to work this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the thing is, he is perfect and we are not. Unless the person that says they're perfect, they're even worse. Mm-hmm. Jesus was perfect. So, Malta realized that he wasn't wise enough to exercise his wishes. So, he wasn't even wise enough. He wasted two. And then maybe that was a good use. And then this is what all of us have to do, though. Limit our power. Don't ask for stuff that's evil. And maybe asking God to stop all of the wrong going on in the world would disappear us all because we're all evil. Nobody's perfect. So if you ask for world peace and it's now, God would have to destroy us all because what we thought last night deserves a first-class flight to hell where God doesn't dwell. You got that right. That's the crazy line. I don't have to steal his lines. I have enough of my own. Well, listen, man, I think that you're um, right, and and we certainly need to be careful what we ask for. And uh, like the Romans Road starts out with with Paul saying that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's this idea of, again, it'll bring me back to to, um, when Jesus was asked, um, what, is, what are the greatest commandments? He said, love God and love your neighbor. So how do we show love to our neighbor? By wanting for our neighbor what we want for ourselves. By, by showing acts of grace, mercy, compassion, kindness, charity, building up instead of tearing down, um, refraining from violence, refraining from violent language. Um, and I think that God can strengthen us to do that and strengthen, um, strengthen, can strengthen everybody to do that. We just need to not be resistant um, uh, to God and, and there is hope for a brighter tomorrow. So Jason, I want to remind you of this. I put these episodes up on Apple, iTunes, you know, on YouTube and, and iHeartRadio and all of this. Check it out. You can listen to it. Um, they'll be up by tomorrow. It's um, so good. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just want to make double check. I really I just want to double check. I just want to double check and make sure it's all right with you. Um, you know, but you can look on, if you look up by tomorrow, if you look up um, um, Reverend J. Stewart Glover, you'll see me up there. And, and listen, go, go to iTunes. It'll be there. And it's you never know when somebody somewhere in the world hears what I've said and hears what you, hears what you have said and is encouraged in some way. I've had people around the world, I've had people as far away as, um, as um, Dublin and Singapore and, and um, Taiwan and, and Africa. Even on this app, I, had, I was doing a, a, a discussion on this app and I was getting ready to sign off and somebody called in from Africa. And, and, you know, there was a big time difference, but he felt inspired to come on in and share. So you never know when somebody is inspired and, and led to a better place because of something that we've said. So, Jason, it was good talking to you. I look forward to talking to you again in the future and, and learning more about your um, you know, your Freedom Fridays, I think you said it was. Oh, yeah, it's just a way to connect, just like this, though. But I bring it, I take it all on the road, just like you. So I appreciate right. getting the chance. I love to interact. I always try to hop on anytime somebody's welcoming, and you're very welcoming. And I think we walked it out. We made it practical for the people that aren't theologians, like you. Mm-hmm. So this is good. Thank you so much. God bless you, and uh, we'll, I'll, I'll try to catch you next time you hop on. All right, thank Thanks. you so much for coming in, Jason. Thanks so much, Jason. That was um, Jason Kinte, 
and um, I want to thank him for coming in. You, you know, you've been listening to Faith Talk, and I certainly thank you for being part of our listening community. The, uh, I always say that the, the theological views of my guests are not always reflected of my own opinions and theology. However, we, we intend to allow people freedom to to let their voice be heard and, and share their experience with God and their questions um, with our listening audience. I want to thank Jason again for bringing those questions. It's like the one where he asked them, an Indian, young Indian man wants to know, well, what is it, how do I, what does it mean to be saved? How do I get saved? And what does it mean to be in Christ? So again, Jason, thanks for coming in. And um, I also want to thank the people who are in the listening audience. Please, I would ask you to please visit the, the website. It's www.ReverendJStuartGlover. You can leave your comments and questions there um, on these episodes, which are open for criticism and feedback. And on that website, you can also um, register as a guest. You can email me directly through that website. You can even leave me a voicemail on that website. So once again, you've been listening to Faith Talk. Um, I invite you to, to visit the website and I will see you next time, next Sunday, same time. God bless you. And so please enjoy your Thanksgiving. Amen.